Hello again, this is Noah and John, and we are from Urban Digs, and we're talking Manhattan, and today I'm at Keller Williams, and I got Sandy Edry. Hi. My boy. How are you? I've known hey, Sandy hey. for a very long time. Yeah. 12 years, 13 years? Just about, since the beginning. Okay. Um, and you've been in business 13 years? Yes. Okay, so since the beginning. Um, this show is about extracting all the insights about what's going on in the front lines of Manhattan real estate. Mm -hmm what's it like for buyers, what's it like for sellers, et cetera. So let's just start high level. What are you seeing out there in the market? Sure. Um, I mean, it's still on the soft side, obviously, uh, but we did see a bit of a pickup over the last few weeks. Um, we're starting to see a bit more uh, action and actually just had a situation this weekend with three offers on a unit that had been sitting on the market for like four or five months. Mm -hmm. So we're starting to see more activity. Was it a price cut that got people in or this just out of the blue people started showing Surprisingly, up? Surprisingly, this is one of those where it's just out of the blue. It's, okay. it's you know, this is what I call a boomerang apartment. You know, okay. we had it in uh, accepted offer several times and then it just kept falling out right. for a variety of reasons. Nothing to do with the apartment itself. But mm -hmm. then all of a sudden, just sometimes... It all comes together, and we did a best and final this morning. So nothing with due diligence. It was just it was just buyer cold feet. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, how many listings you got right now? I mean, we're carrying probably between fifteen to twenty, depending okay. on uh, because some of our stuff with the new developments, you know, shadow right. inventory. Mm -hmm. Okay, so so you have a nice wide view of what's going on. I imagine these are all over the place. Yes. Um, okay. Um, is there that kind of activity at the other ones, or is this one a little kind of unique? You know. Each area is kind of right now its own market. And mm -hmm. that's, the, you know, to answer the first part of your question, everything is different. Yeah. And you can have neighborhoods right next to each other. Like we've got some listings in Brooklyn, one in Prospect Heights, a couple in Crown Heights. Mm -hmm. Crown Heights is doing great. Mm -hmm. Prospect Heights has been slow. Gotcha. Uh, whereas we also have in Flushing, uh, a new development that we just did, we did... Um, 10 accepted offers in nine days. In a building that you're representing? Yes. Okay, is this a conversion? Yeah, this is. Let's talk about conversions. Yeah, about uh, we, we never talk yeah, about this kind of stuff. And this is very, this is like one of those kind of dark corners that a lot of agents want to get involved in, but they don't right. really know much about well, it. Well, I think the big dif the difference is that a lot of people understand new construction. And it's right. a building built from the ground up. But we're talking about condo conversions, in which there's an existing building, and a developer or a sponsor comes in, basically buys all the units, Correct. And then turns them into condos and sells them either as or rents them out. But if you could tell Correct. us about that process and the difference sure. between that and construction. From, from beginning to from end, whatever you can tell. Yeah. Sure. So, Lay all your I mean, secrets on the table. Yeah. Tell everyone what's Everything. going on. Yeah. Well, they, it's very transparent. It's okay. Uh, I mean, look, the good news is we, we've done about 25 conversions over the last decade. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's probably more than any other team in the city. So we actually do know this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, conversions... You know, the, the, the main difference is, is, as you said, you have an existing building, but more importantly, you have existing tenants in it mm -hmm. because most okay. conversion plans are what's called non-eviction plans, okay. okay? This state does not look very favorably on eviction plans, mm -hmm. so you don't see too many of those. Uh, unless it's very Does this mean building. that the buildings are typically rental buildings then that have been purchased by a sponsor? Almost okay. always it's a rental building once in a blue, blue moon. It might be a co-op that's decided to convert, mm -hmm. but that's, again, usually a small building because you need to have all the owners agree mm -hmm. in order to do that. But most of the time it is okay. uh, a rental building. Uh, and most of the time, being that this is New York, uh, the majority of the units in those buildings are going to be rent regulated, okay. whether mm -hmm. they're 
mostly rent stabilized and a few rent controlled yep. or whatever. And, and that really underlies kind of the, one of the big differences because in a situation like that, the attorney general's office is a lot more involved. I mean, they're, they're involved in the new construction process, yeah. but they want to make sure that the tenants in the building are protected. Mm-hmm. Okay? So there, there's different regulations that we have to follow in order to um, make it happen. So This is super interesting. Yeah. I mean, do those tenants get a non-harassment that these kind yeah. of things? It's and... not a certificate of non-harassment because that's usually for an SRO. Okay. Enough, but, but it's still, you know, so for example, like when we have to do an offering plan, Right, the red herring, the the, yep. the initial one, comes out. Then there's a six month waiting period, where basically the tenants, tenant association, anything like that, can make comments to the AG's office. Okay. The AG's so office for can them. yes, okay, uh, and, and and so things can happen during that time mm-hmm. period, and only after that ends and the AG has answered any questions that they have. Yep. Uh, can we get the black book and start marketing? Okay. Now, and we're not allowed to say boo about anything until that black book comes out and the tenants are presented with it. So there's just no so pre-marketing. What, what is a black book? What's in a black book? Black book is just basically the, the offering plan. Mm-hmm. Okay? Uh, the main difference between a red herring and a black book, there's three lines of text in red on the red herring that uh, says it's just a preliminary. Yep. Uh, then the black book comes out. That's the, the, the approved Final plan okay. that you can I've, now I've sell. I've just got so many questions. I guess the first question okay. that comes to mind is, okay, so you have the black book. I assume that the the sponsor has been doing work in the background this entire time, trying to line up the teams and everything. But Correct. once that black book comes out, are the apartments that are being released are those people who've decided not to renew their rents or to leave for whatever reason? I mean, is any of this work being done? And like, how do the like if you look at a new development so, schedule A, it's right. like we have every single unit in the building. Like, how does the schedule A look for one of these condo conversions? Very different, I mean, I'm different, just very different, and and it's part of the complications of prepping for it. Yeah. Because the what, what generally happens is the sponsor holds on to units yep. in the year or two preceding, uh-huh. right, of people that have vacated, and those are now vacant units that they can renovate and sell. Okay. Right. But there's only there's a limit to how many they can keep because they they're not allowed to warehouse, uh, and. Okay. Uh, there's a limit to how old some of them can be, so you have to like shift it around. It's just minutia, but, uh, mm-hmm, but yeah. it takes a little while to get there. But usually, usually we try and have about 10% of the building mm-hmm. uh, vacant by the time we start the sales. Um, because, and this is the next big step in the uh, process, is from when we start sales, we need to get to 15% of the building into contract before we can file for what's called the effectiveness amendment, right. which goes back to the AG's office, mm-hmm. right? They have another six months. Uh, right. <laughs> most of the time just sits on somebody's desk, but it's right. fine. Uh, six months um, to, to go through everything to verify that the people that are purchasing mm-hmm. are actually not investors. Okay. Enough. They have to be, uh, again, Tennis. to protect... No, no, not just the, the, the new owners. Mm-hmm. The 15% that primary we just residents. sold okay, have to be primary residents okay. uh, because, again, they don't want the building yeah. to be transient. They want the tenants to uh, still be in a building that has mm-hmm. um, 
you know, good standing. Um, so that's the next step. And only after that, and then you go to the Department of Finance, the Department of Buildings to get your tax slots and all that sort of stuff. Right. Only at the end of that process can you start closings. Wow. So it can be, generally speaking, an eight to 12 month process okay. from when sales start to yep. when you actually start closings. Right, and that includes a few windows, right? Those six months, those... Yeah, 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 right, that's, exactly. included, that's inclusive. Right, that uh, is, I got a couple of questions. Yeah, go ahead. I'm, sure. I'm going to cut you off. All right. All right. So, well, I want to go to the tenant side. Right. Um, I have two questions. Yes. So my first question is the rent regulated, rent stabilized. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, there's a wrong. cap. What? I'm wrong. Sorry. <laughs> you just assume automatically yeah. I'm wrong. Um, there's a cap, right? There's a market rate cap, like 2000 or whatever it is, and it hits that. Like, they're only around, allowed to raise it. Okay, so this is what I understood. Yes. They could only raise it X percent. Correct. And then once it reaches, I thought it was 2000 level, it becomes market rate rent. Is that not true? It's, there, there's something called luxury decontrol. I believe it's no longer at 2000. I think they upped it, but yeah, I can't so remember right, right I now. I think that's an old number. And F, I think it's 25 or 26, something like that. Okay. But point being, and, and in all honesty, I don't want to get too deep into this because this is bridging into legal stuff and, mm. and I'm not a lawyer. Okay. Thank you for um, saying that, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the, the main thing is that whoever is a tenant there, mm -hmm. regardless of if the rent goes over, mm -hmm. whatever luxury you they still retain those rights until after they move out. Okay, gotcha. So you can't okay. uh, say, oh, all of a sudden your rent is this. Right. Okay. Uh, now, now my second part of my question is um, the tenants of this existing conversion they're given an opportunity to, or an option, whatever you want to call it, to purchase pre-market? Not pre-market. They have to also, we can't even start talking to them until that black book is out. Okay. Uh, but let's, let's assume after that. Yes. They have usually a 90-day period mm -hmm. in which they can exercise to, to uh, contract and get what's known as the insider pricing. And how, okay. how much lower generally is the insider price into market rate? It can really range uh, in that because it depends how badly a developer needs them, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, and like I said, if we start a building with 10%, then we're expecting that we're, we're yeah. going to need a few insiders to right. kind of get, get there fast 15. enough. Yeah. Well, if on the other hand, like we've had buildings where we've gotten to 30% in the first two months, mm -hmm. it's not as big a uh, um, priority mm -hmm. however that being said um, uh, we work very very hard to get at least whichever insiders can purchase mm -hmm. we really try and, and, and uh, sit with them and work with them to do that because I personally think it's just healthier for the building mm -hmm. right yeah to, to, keep, have, to keep the insiders to keep some of those tenants yeah. and, and make them owners now yeah. I think is just healthy for the overall experience that then the new owners are going to have when they move in yeah all that sort of stuff so so we spent a lot of time actually right. uh, trying. To I, I just want that meeting number I mean I want to know I mean are insiders getting 10% lower are they getting 15% lower are they getting 20% lower I, I, do they come out with a level speaking I would say the minimum is usually 15% mm -hmm. 10 to 15% is the minimum yeah but what you have to factor into that and that's why I say 15 really, is that the tenants are getting their units unrenovated. Right. So you have to back out the yeah, renovation okay. costs as that's well. exactly right. So usually at the 5 to 10% mark, mm -hmm. there's almost no difference. 
between the insider and outsider. Gotcha. Um, so the tenant's buying an unrenovated unit. Essentially, they're buying correct. their own unit as, as a condo, and then that's that's theirs, and the, the developer's basically done with that one. Correct. Awesome. So let me ask you, from the agent standpoint, are you holding the hands for these sponsors through this entire process? When do you start working with these guys? Are they experienced? Do they run the gamut between, hey, this building just came on the market, I want to go for it, or has someone's done this so many times? Or did you go out there and get them? Right, or do you have it runs, it runs the gamut and stuff. I mean, we've been fortunate enough to work with uh, one developer who shall remain nameless mm -hmm. uh, for, for the past decade, and mm -hmm. we've done a lot of projects with them. Um, with them, it's such a great partnership because we just basically work from the beginning all the way to the end. So we'll help them source which of their buildings yep. would be the best to convert. Mm -hmm. And we have a whole timeline, uh, pipeline of right. projects going forward. Um, and then, you know, I'm involved in pretty much every step working with the contractors to uh, figure out design and layouts. Because remember, that's also a little different in conversions than new construction. New yeah. construction, you can build whatever you can, right? Mm -hmm. Ends up with us. Uh, you have to take what you have there and kind of uh, often modernize it yeah. or make well, the layout. Especially if you're dealing with an old better. tenement, you got an air shaft running up the building. It's like, how are you, you going to arrange the bedroom so there's, yeah. there's a hallway running through it? Sure. Give me one of your buildings, Sandy. Okay. Sure. Something with some sales in it. Uh, something with sales currently? Uh, or in the past, so it shows up here. Do 12 Crown. Okay. This is in Brooklyn? Yes. While I was doing that, I'll ask you this this question, which is that uh, when 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 you talk about the economics of converting one of these things, what what sort of metrics are they looking at? Are they looking at median price price per square foot in the area, and they're trying to think, all right, five years out, is it going to be? Are, are they looking at neighborhood demographics, or is it really again it's, just it's, a mix of everything? It's a mix of everything. I mean, we usually start with looking at price per square foot, uh -huh. but you know, one of the things that you have to remember with a conversion is again remember if you're only selling let's say 30% yep. up front right the sponsor is still going to own 70% uh, which in my eyes almost becomes like an annuity right yep. they they and it's great for the broker side as well right. it's an annuity for me because uh, they've probably covered most of their nut mm -hmm. in that first 30% everything else becomes pretty much gravy yeah. and profit and it's seasoned, right? So as the market hopefully continues growing over the years, as tenants move out, they're actually getting more per the unit at that point than they were when we started. Mm -hmm. So that's why we do have to look at, at uh, long-term demographics for the neighborhood as yep. well as uh, price per square foot. And it's one of the tricky parts of trying to price. Like, yeah. remember, if we're trying to price something a year and a half out. Exactly. Right? Exactly, yeah. It, it, it can get a little tricky. Yeah. These monthlies are great in this building. I mean, are your monthlies generally low? I mean, it, and the conversion market? tends to be a little bit lower because we, we, we tend to have fewer amenities. Right. You know, so we're a bit more of a no-frills building. Mm hmm enough uh, but that does help to then keep those costs there's no down. deadlines on it I guess or that gets settled at the conversion maybe I mean I don't know I debt mean, is no because it's a condo so right. basically there's no underlying debt to the condo owners the sponsor might have his and right. it's a blanket mortgage that gets pieced off right very very interesting good awesome. stuff um, let's um, switch um, thank you sure. by the way for sharing all of those conversion sure. things it was gold um, how many how many people on your team here in Manhattan uh, currently, we are at eight. Okay. Um, we're expecting to 
grow to about 10, 11 in the next. How do you, I mean, I, I always tell agents, um, especially agents that are looking to up their game a little bit, because a lot of agents tend to, let's say they're single agents, right? Mm -hmm. And they're having a slow time. It's been a tough market. Um, and I feel for them, it's a tough market. Um, and they want to get business and they're just sitting around not doing anything. They're almost waiting for calls to come in. And I say, you know, maybe try for, for someone to partner up with if that's got a lot of business going on in their life. You got eight people on your team gonna be expanding to 10. How does that breakdown of that, um, what the role is for those eight people? I mean, are they are they just four agents or do you have someone that handles buyers, someone that handles the selling listing presentations and the CMAs and the comps and the pricing? Do you have um, a rental guy? Like, how does that break down? Sure, um, I mean, we've, we've we actually try and hew relatively close to the Keller Williams model, mm -hmm. which is to um, build out an administrative staff as well as you know a sales staff, right? And uh, so for us, I have uh, a director of operations who basically runs our administrative staff. Mm -hmm. We have a transaction coordinator that we actually just brought on a new one. Mm -hmm. um, for all your, just to, to guide all your clients through the final, through the process, the and through the all process. the, okay. yeah, um, all the pre-closing, post-closing, from contract to close, yeah. basically, yeah. but also a variety of other ancillary things that they do. Um, then I actually, where we differ a little bit from the models, I have a director of resales. Mm -hmm. um, I pretty much fired myself from the that position because. Do you have authority to fire yourself? Uh, I, I got permission from our DOO. Okay. She, she, she said it was okay. She actually encouraged it. Uh, um, because, you know, with as heavy a focus as we are on the new development side as well, in mm -hmm. love, it, it wasn't, I wasn't necessarily uh, able to, to cover the resale side. Right. So uh, somebody who had started on our team as an ISA, an inside sales agent, mm -hmm. kind of grew into that role, and now he's really spearheading the resale side. Okay. Um, and we have, yeah, right now there's four agents um, below, not below him, but under, under that, those services. Under yeah. those services. Uh, again, where we're a little different is that most of those agents have our, our point people on our different projects mm -hmm. so they have a certain amount of built-in kind of business mm -hmm. coming through those developments mm -hmm. um, but then they also do their own you know lead generation and and bring in other deals yep. either also converting open house clients and right of course of that you're monetizing every element of the whole yeah it's not as just about getting possible. a listing and, and servicing that which again is your main priority but it, it is also those people that come in potentially working with you as a buyer and that's probably buyer the broker. biggest lesson that we learned over the last year and a half and why I fired myself is because we were leaving so much money on the table right on the buy side. that's what new agents need to understand is you gotta you gotta monetize every element of this and I think I think teams are good because you can't wear all the hats in this business you get counterproductive you don't service every element so props to you for recognizing that you needed to kind of remove yourself from this role to kind of service um, and the other thing I would just add to that is it actually works on a good team, it works for the agents as well because it lets them stay in their twenty percent, right. their best twenty yeah. percent. Comparative advantage. And that they don't necessarily want to be doing all the paperwork or the marketing or the this and that. They're good at sales. Mm -hmm. They're good at people. Yeah. yeah. And that. So yeah. They, we let them go out there and do that, and then we take away the rest of the stuff that they yeah. don't. Like. This is great. This has been fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us, Sandy Edry. We're at Keller Williams. This is Noah and John from Urban Digs. We're talking Manhattan, and we'll catch you next time. See ya.